This standing chat is hosted by Humbleworks, the designers and manufacturers of quality, ergonomically designed standing desks and related products. We'll be speaking to Dr. James Levine, the authority on the benefits of standing versus sitting. He has received more than 50 awards in the field of science, started more than two dozen companies, and is the author of Get Up, a book which opened the eyes of millions of people to our modern sedentary lifestyle and the health issues behind sitting down for extended periods of time. So hello, Dr. James Levine. Hi, India. How are you today? I'm very well, thank you. And yourself? Superb. Fantastic. Now, we've been on a little bit of a journey and you have convinced me that there are many issues when it comes to sitting. But what I want to know today is practically how can I make changes in my life? Okay, so the first answer to your question is you can. Okay. And that actually to me, so I've looked after patients for just over 30 years, and that to me is the key message that I give to all the patients I've ever seen, is that whomever you are, whatever situation you're in, you can make a change. And that change will be positive, and I guarantee it. Okay, so I seem to remember from your book, um, there are three stimuli, am I right? There's the cue, the response, the reward. Stimulus, stimulus cue, response, you're absolutely yeah. right. But let's, let's peel away the psychobabble. Okay, so I'm getting a little bit... <laughs> no, 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 you're bang, no, no, 100% bang on target. Okay. And, and if you're interested in the details of, of the psychology, buy the book. But more importantly, what are the messages? What are we really talking about here? Stimulus cue response. The way I think about this as you talk to me is I, I think about a patient of mine who came to see me probably seven or eight years ago. I was in my office. The pa this patient followed another patient, and there was a knock at the door. And actually, Kathy, who was my uh, cheerful and uh, ever-persevering assistant, opened the door and wheeled in a, a woman. Um, the woman's name was Catherine. She was significantly overweight, and she was in a wheelchair. She was under 40. She had type 2 diabetes, joint problems, and so on and so forth. And we were talking, and Catherine said, I'm stuck. I've been in this wheelchair six months. I haven't been out of it. I'm not going anywhere. I can't go to work, the grandkids don't come over because they just get bored watching me. I sit and watch TV, eat my meal. I mean, this is just awful. And she said, I've been to 25 doctors. You're, you're going to be no different. But my doctor said I had to come to the Mayo Clinic. So she came. And we spent an hour together and catalogued all the things you're talking about, her diabetes, and most importantly, her psychological issues. She she basically sort of looked in the mirror and felt it was all over. I'm being absolutely serious. The life she had was the opposite to the life she wanted. And the first thing I said to her, which is based on the scientific literature, is I said, do you actually want to change? As you've told me, you're, you're stuck in this wheelchair. You've been here for months. Your doctor's told you to, to come, so you've come. I'm not hearing from you, oh, this has got to change. And she said, Honestly, I'd love a different life, but you can't do that for me. And I said, I can. I guarantee it. She then used an expletive, which I cannot repeat. And I said, 
you've come all the way, actually she came across a state, she traveled about 300 miles. I said, you've come 300 miles to see me and we spent an hour together and here's what you're going to do. Every time there is a TV advert on, you're going to push out of that wheelchair, you're going to walk across your living room, touch the wall and you're going to come and sit down and you're going to come and see me in a month. And she said, well, how about my diet? How about the psychologist? That's what you've come to do. And she said, this is, this is nonsense. I haven't come to a doctor to tell me to walk across my living room. I said, you said it was impossible for me to give you a plan that you could do. I've given you a plan and, and you're either going to do it or you're not. If you don't come back, you don't come back. She came back a month later. I said, you know what? I did exactly what you said. And look, and she... <laughs> It was actually so quite funny. She had like a People magazine, and on the back of it, she checked every time she touched, and she'd literally covered the back advert with check marks. And I said, so the first thing we know is what we, what, when you told me you wanted to change, you actually did it. And she said, well, I haven't lost any weight. I haven't gone out. My kids aren't coming over. I said, you did it. I, said, I suppose so. I said, okay, fair enough. So I said, Here's the second month challenge. Every time there's a TV advert, and remember this is in the United States where there are even more TV adverts than here, every time there's a TV advert, I want you to keep walking backwards and forth the room until the program comes back on. I said, do you think you should, well, that's going to be hard work. You came for a program. Long story short, you see where this is going, right? Six months from the first date I saw her, six months later, I got a postcard from her which was a picture of her and two grandchildren who had completed a half marathon all together, walking, walking. Wow. And I'm telling you something from my, own, from my own life. I often think whatever it is I want to do, whether it, I, I'm not an exerciser, but if I want to start a painting, I like painting. You know, taking on whatever it is, a home repair, whatever it is, building a, a piece of IKEA furniture, whatever it may be. There's whatever it is in your life, there's a first step. Mm -hmm. And what I can absolutely guarantee you, as I guaranteed her, Catherine was her name, what I guarantee Catherine is you cannot take the third step until you take the first step. Mm -hmm. And that's true for absolutely everything in your life. Mm -hmm. So you can look at all the stimuli that push us down and make us sit all day. You can make a look at all the cues that keep us sitting down and remind us to keep sitting, whether that's your boss telling you to finish your report, whether that's your, 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 your spouse saying, come and watch this program, we're not going out for a walk this evening, whether it's the kids that, that you just shove in front of the TV because you just can't deal with them anymore, whatever it is. And the rewards for all of these things, whether that's more TV, TV dinner, whatever those rewards may be, and you can flip it around. And, you, and it's super simple. It doesn't need to be big, it doesn't need to be heavy, it doesn't need to be complex. It can be as simple as walking across the living room when the TV advert comes on and sitting down again. But you have to take the first step. And if you do that, you'll win. And, and what I'm sort of getting from this as well is that it's a very personal first step because obviously, for this lady you're talking about, it was within her living room. She was sort of trapped within her house. But some people might be reading your book and thinking of it from a, you know, they're in an office all day or it's to do with their commute. So 
I'm guessing this, these practical, there's no one, one answer fits all to the practical steps. You're 100% right. One size does not fit all. And if we start with Catherine as our starting point, I think many people listening to this podcast series are going to say, thank God that's not me. And, 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 I, and thank God it isn't for most people, but many people it is. Thank God it's not me. Every single person is different. And what's really fascinating is those differences between us are not random. The Russians, when they were trying to organize their military many, many years ago, were really into this idea. And what they did is they took the troops who, who sort of, I wouldn't say signed up, there wasn't signing up in those days, who were signed up, who were recruited or brought into the army, and they put them through rigorous personality testing, just like they do now in top corporations when they're looking to hire the right executive to fit into the right slot in the company. They use all these personality inventories. But the Russians came up with this idea that there were 16 personality types. And, and actually, they were really rigorous how they did this. They got these tests and they did them like two or three times to make sure that they actually had it exactly right. And, and when you start to think about it, it makes perfect sense as to why one solution for getting up, moving, and activating your life for one person could be completely different to another person. Let me give you two extremes of these personality types. One personality type is called the heroic risk taker. One personality type is called, literally called, the organizer, okay? Now, all of you listening will recognize heroic risk takers and organizers. Now, the idea of the heroic risk taker in terms of the Russian military, and I'm sure it's, it's true today, is if you need somebody to charge onto the bridge, to take the bridge so the rest of the army can follow behind you, you need the heroic risk taker. They make movies about these people, right? and they charge the bridge, everybody follows. That's heroic risk taker. Now, imagine you had the personality type who was the organizer. Meticulous at organizing things, everything's in order, everything has a label, and you say to that person, I want you to take the bridge. The organizer would say, hmm, interesting problem, let me look at the map, let me plot this, let me plot that, and it would sort of take three months to write a plan, organize it, and slowly advance towards the bridge, by which time, of course, the war would be lost. Obviously, for storming the bridge, taking command, heroics, the heroic risk-taker is whom you need. Now, however, imagine the army. You've got an army of 300,000 people. You've got to feed them. Imagine the heroic risk-taker is in charge of organizing the food supply. The heroic risk-taker walks in and says, you know, everybody, have whatever you want. And there's complete chaos. The, the army raid the supplies, and, it's just, uh, and actually the army lose the war because you can't run an army that way. All the food's gone in like 10 minutes, and it's been sort of sold off. Who knows what happens? Who runs the food supply for the army? The organizer. Perfectly organized, day by day, categorized. And, and so you've got these two distinct personality types that are clearly identifiable. And yet the way they function in society is completely different. Now, this idea isn't, wasn't invented by the Russians, I assure you. It goes all the way back to Plato, who was thinking about how societies are organized. And he absolutely realized that for any society to work, you need these different groups. Of, you need the healers. You need the builders. You need the visionaries. You need the, 
you need the, the, the caregivers, and so on and so forth. Now, how does this relate to my plan to activate my life and do great things? It does, because just as you said in the question just a few minutes ago, one size does not fit all. One size does not fit all because every single person has a different way of looking at their world. And so the idea that you get a gym membership, you show up and you get the same program as everybody else, the reason that fails for most people, 80% of people within three months, is because one size does not fit all. If, however, you personally engage in how you are going to take your life and fidget it that little bit towards something different, something towards what you want, you can see why everybody's fidget is going to be slightly different. It's going to be individualized based on the personality of that person, based on the needs of that person, and based on the wants of that person. I think that's really interesting. And actually, when you think about these sort of marketing campaigns that get sort of shoved in our face, yes, this gym membership will mean that you'll be feeling fit and healthy in a month. And then it fails. And then because it, it's not personally designed for each individual, you're then left feeling really disgruntled by it and you haven't achieved anything and then you just think what's the point and then you go back into your seat and you start you know you carry on as you did before and there's no progression and I think this is I imagine this is what we've got to get to is it, it's got to be a life I'm not gonna say, lifestyle change I was about to say lifestyle change but I know you're not a fan of lifestyle a life change um, rather than just a quick fix that everybody can do and it's got to be sort of the nitty-gritty has got to be unpicked so that it really does suit however you're, you want to lead your life. So I'll tell you what I 100% agree with everything you said and I'll tell you though as for somebody who sort of looked, looked after patients for many many years not only is it the marketing towards the, the gym going community that as you exactly say one size certainly doesn't fit all some people like squash some people like yoga not at the same time. Mm -hmm. The weight loss industry. Mm -hmm. The idea that one weight loss solution will help everybody. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, you, you might say, well, you know, companies are trying to make money, that's okay. But now think of the pain that patients feel when they see a TV advert, this is going to help you, this is going to solve your problem. They try it and it doesn't. How do you think that makes somebody feel? They failed, right? So when I used to see patients, and the average number of attempts at weight loss a patient in weight loss clinic had made was 17. Now, anything in my life, I've never done anything 17 times and kept coming back for more. And so when you think about people battling in modern society, whether it's with their weight, whether it's with their finances, whether it's with their general sense of this just isn't the life I want, you start to understand that not only does one size not fit all, it must equally be true that one solution cannot be right for everybody. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. And I guess it's why, you know, the weight loss industry is so, so, so you know, does so well because it <laughs> fails. It, you fail at it and you try again and you try again and it just... You know, I guess this personal plan is, is what is key here. Would you say that you, if I say I've created my personal plan, it fits within my life, 
would you say discipline and continuity are important factors in order to achieve it still? I remember there's this great moment during the Monty Python film Life for Brian where Brian comes out to the crowd and he says um, to this assembled crowd in Jerusalem, you are all individuals. And this one guy puts up his hand and he says, I'm not an individual. <laughs> I mean, the absolute reality is that we are each individual. And you are 100% correct. It's not just the weight loss industry. There are many people who benefit from taking me, putting me in a box, identifying me as a boxed person and keeping me there. Whether that's my office manager, whether that's my healthcare provider, whether that's my family, or even my friends. They place me in a category in their minds and I have to live within the space that they see. But, and here is my message for today, if you like, your life is yours. You have the power, just like Catherine, to get up out of the wheelchair, to get up out of the chair and make that first move towards something different. And my only plea is that when you get up and make that first step, that first move towards something different, it's what you want for your life. It's making me think about how I fit into a box for myself and how I show up for other people as well. And how actually we need to look outside of that, that box and who we really are and how we can make these small adjustments in our life that suit our personality and our life in order to live a more fulfilled life, which is out of a chair, essentially. You are, uh, India, you have it 100% right. Living out of the chair requires the first step, which is to get up out of it. And then, as you say, as you get out, it's sort of like, I mean, the cubicle that we all work in is absolutely representative. Just imagine, you get up out of that cubicle and suddenly you see the vista beyond. And now imagine that, that, that field of life beyond your chair is actually your life. And it's yours, it's no one else's. People can put you in whatever box they like, but at the end of the day, it's what you do with it that's actually going to make the difference. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Pleasure. Dr. Levine. It's been super inspired after this episode. Um, yeah, there's a big world of opportunity out there. And we've just got to grab it. Great. <laughs>